Turn your copy of God's Word to the Lucan Gospel, Luke chapter 18. Say a prayer for me. The chaplain in a mental institution was walking down the hallway, and there was a man staggering down the hallway with glazed eyes, and he was mumbling, Betty, Betty, Betty. What's the trouble? The chaplain inquired. I asked Betty to marry me, and she turned me down. The chaplain muttered some words of comfort and headed down the hallway, talking to other patients. He was amazed to discover another young man also going down the hallway, chanting, Betty, Betty, Betty. He had to ask, well, son, what happened to you? I married Betty, he replied. <laughs> Sometimes the thing in life that is worse than not getting what you prayed for is actually getting what you've prayed for. Perhaps you've heard the story of the young lady who said, today I'm only going to pray for others. I'm not going to pray for myself. And so she prayed for others. But at the end of her prayer, she added, and give my mother a rich, handsome son-in-law, she said. <laughs> the older I get, the more I become convinced in the power of persistent prayer. I can lay before you this morning case after case, and you could too, in our own church family where we as a church family, Sunday school classes, prayer meeting, in worship, we carry the needs of others to prayer before God's throne, and God answers those prayers. Now it's a mystery how and when prayer works, and sometimes it's working even when we do not see that it's working, but I have no doubt about it. The longer you live and the wiser you become, the more convinced you will be in the power of prayer. Well, in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, we'll also look back in a moment at Luke chapter 11, so keep your copy of God's Word open this morning. The first thing I want you to see is prayer is a sacred duty. Prayer is a sacred duty. Look at verse 1. Now, he was telling a parable, telling them they should not lose heart, but at all times they ought to pray. At all times they ought to pray. Now, the word ought implies a moral obligation. It's a sacred duty. Yes, we're often told that prayer is a privilege, and prayer is a privilege, but it is more than a privilege. Prayer is actually a duty. And here we see in Luke 18, it is a duty placed upon us by none other than the crucified and resurrected Christ. Prayer is a duty. Jesus tells us right here, Luke 18, that we ought to pray because Jesus realizes fully what prayer can do for us. To be able to approach the throne of God to be with God in all of his power and all of his glory and all of his majesty. An amazing opportunity for us to change the world around us. An amazing opportunity to change ourselves on the inside. Karl Barth said, listen to this. Karl Barth said, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against a disorder in this world. 
To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder that's in this world. John Quest said, it's remarkable to think that God has given us a partnership with him in directing the course of human events. It's extraordinary to realize that our prayer can change events and circumstances in the world around us. But what is just as remarkable, he says, is that when we pray, we ourselves change. More often than not, we become the answers to our own prayers as we open up ourselves to God and his will in our prayers. Prayer causes us to live within the presence of God, to find joy in God's divine company, making his presence in our prayer a part of our daily life, having him beside us in our moments of temptation, in our moments of depression, our moments of distress, our moments of rejoicing, our moments of disappointment. The Apostle Paul endured a lot of hardships as a missionary and often, in fact, his life, his life itself was in danger. When Paul was writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, he wrote to his Christian friends by saying, you have helped us through your prayers. You have helped us through your prayers. Now that's interesting. Prayer is a way for us to help each other. Paul says to the church of Corinth, you have helped us through your prayers. In fact, the reality is, praying might be the most effective way to help people. In fact, praying for your child might be better than many of the things that we do for our children. The most important thing you can do for him or for her is to pray. In fact, in 1 Timothy, Paul says in chapter 2, Paul says pray, urges us to pray for everyone that we know and love. Reminded of Saul in the Old Testament, he comes to Samuel, the prophet, the man of God, and he begs him, do not stop praying for Israel. Do not stop praying for Israel. And Samuel responds, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. God forbid, O king, that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Prayer is not only a privilege, Prayer is a divine obligation. It's a duty. We cannot escape the fact that Jesus tells us, that Paul confirms, we ought always to pray. Sometimes those who are entangled in the predicaments of life, those enduring suffering and, and hardships, sometimes we, we say to someone almost like we're apologizing, I, I'll pray for you that that's all I, I, know, I know to do. Prayer is no small gift, is it? To bid God's attention to their hurt is sometimes the best thing you can possibly do for someone. The reason we, we feel apologetic when we say to somebody, I'll pray for you, is sometimes we say that, but we don't really follow up and, and pray, do we? If you want to wish someone good luck, say good luck. But if you say, I'm going to pray for you, that you've made a moral obligation with your brother or your sister to pray for them. Prayer. I make a lot of hospital visits. I remember a few years ago, I made a hospital visit 
And prayer is a draining thing energy-wise. And I've been going through the hospital praying, and I knew this particular patient had deacons come and Sunday school teachers come and other staff members had been. And so when I went to the room, I don't know why I did, but I said, I'm not going to pray. I just wasn't going to do it. And so I had some small talk with the patient and asked her how she was doing. We talked about her family, and I said, well, I'm glad to hear you're doing better. And I turned to walk out of the room, and she said, shocking both of us, Pastor, do you mean to say you're not even going to pray for me today? The fault was not hers. The fault was mine because prayer is a big gift. And I turned and I said, of course, I will pray for you. She was not going to let me go until I had brought her name, her concern, her health, her healing before the throne of God. Don't ever say to someone you'll be praying for them because when you do, you're making an obligation that you will take his name or her name before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You make that comment if you're going to do it and you ought to do it according to Jesus. Write it down. Keep up with it. Pray for him. Pray for her. On Wednesday evenings, there's a group of us who gather and we have lists of everybody who's called in during the week, names we've gathered on Sunday, people that need prayers. We have the names of those who are missionaries overseas and maybe the names of those who are in the hospital or those who are hurting or about to face a surgery. And every Wednesday, somebody will say, you prayed two weeks ago for my sister and she's doing well or, or she's been healed or good things are happening in her life. And every week we see the results of those prayers. Maybe that's a good ministry for you. It's a good ministry for me, the ministry of prayer. Maybe this week you would take the back of your order of worship there and pick a staff member and pray for that staff member one a week and just focus on her, focus on him all week long. Pray for our deacons, pray for your Sunday school teachers. Pray, pray, pray. I do a lot of funerals. This week I did a funeral for Mary Wands. Mary always faithful to be at church. In fact, she's always faithful to be at prayer meeting, praying for other people. And I spoke to her children, Shannon and Melinda and David and Jonathan. Without a doubt, the first thing each child said was, my mother was my prayer warrior. I turned from Shannon to Melinda. Well, I'm gonna have to agree with my sister. It wasn't just my sister. She was my prayer warrior too. And then the boys, David and Jonathan. And Jonathan said, Pastor, you don't understand. She had a journal. And when we asked her to pray for us, she wrote it down. What her child needed from her or his heavenly father. And I said this week, standing in this pulpit to the family of seated right here, you have lost much now that you have lost the prayers of your mother. Parent, mom, dad, would your child see you as his or her prayer warrior? Do you write down the needs, the cries of the hearts of your children and your grandchildren? Now, I'm not saying we always get the answers we want in prayers, but I'm telling you that prayer is always, always powerful. Frederick Beatner says, when you call upon God, he will come. 
And even if God does not bring the answer that you want, God himself will show up. And maybe at the secret heart of all of our prayers, that's what we're really praying for. When you call upon God, he will come. And even if he does not bring the answer that you want, he will bring you himself. And maybe at the secret heart of all of our prayers, the presence of God is what we're really, really looking for. Prayer changes you. It may or may not change the outcome of the circumstances, but it certainly draws you closer to God. The very act of prayer acknowledges our need for God's presence in our life. Do you believe? Do you believe in the power of prayer? I read a little story about a little town that had been dry. We in West Texas know what that means for a town to be dry. A group of Christians was concerned about a little tavern that was going to open up. And so they gathered at a prayer meeting, called for an all-night prayer meeting, and asked God to do something to intervene, to take away this tavern that was going to, they're afraid was going to tempt those in their town and change the nature of their town. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And that night, lightning struck the tavern and burned it to the ground. Now, the owner of the new tavern sued the church and said they had caused the loss of his property. And the church hired an attorney to say they had nothing to do with it. And the judge said, no matter how this case turns out, it is the owner of the tavern that believes in prayer and not the church. (laughs) Do you believe in the power of prayer? We're expecting our first child, Ryan, We received many notes of congratulations, but one came from my brother Brian, and he wrote in that note, I'm praying for your baby already. She's not even here yet, not even arrived on earth, but someone is praying for her so small in the womb, but someone is bringing her needs to God on her behalf. How marvelous a privilege to pray for our families of a church. I always pray for the couple in the wedding. I did a wedding last night, and there's probably not another time with that many people in a room praying for the bride and the groom, and we pray that God will bless them and lead them and guide them and protect them. Praying for the bride and the groom. And in just a few moments, we're going to start a, a, a new one by a dedication prayer, a prayer of blessing. At every stage of life, we always need to be prayed. Dr. Russell Dilday just, just recently passed away when I was a student at Southwestern Seminary. He was president of the seminary probably when you were there too, Robbie. And GA's Girls in Action, it's a missions organization, and we have it. And, well, part of their workbook, they have to work through a workbook, and their workbook said they had to pray for Dr. Russell Dilday, the president of Southwestern Baptist Seminary. And so he got hundreds of letters from little girls that were praying for him, and some of them were humorous. And one little girl, one little Texan wrote, I'm writing to you because it's a step in my GA book. I'm supposed to pray for you. I will. There you go. <laughs> I feel that way sometimes too, but I trust that she did. And I trust that we pray for each other too. Not only is prayer an obligation, 
Secondly, I want you to see prayer is a constant need. Notice what Jesus says. Again, verse 1. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times, I want you to notice, all times they ought to pray. I want to focus for a point two on the words at all times or always. It means not only at all times, but also in every circumstance of life. Nothing in your life should be outside of the circle of prayer. We ought to pray about every circumstance and every need in our lives. Now, we think about prayer sometimes when someone in our family is grave, gravely ill, we're ready to pray, or we have a son or daughter serving in the military. Good day to think about that today. Overseas, we pray for his safety or her safety and ask our church to pray for that, or someone going, waiting for a medical test, a result, or a big decision in their life. And Jesus says, yes, in those circumstances, pray, but we ought always to pray in every single circumstance, whether we feel like it or not, we need to pray, pray, pray. I was sharing the gospel with a little girl, and one of the things I often will ask is, if you had run into Jesus on any given day, what would you find him doing? And really, if you summarize the life of Jesus, there I thought of three things. The little girl added a fourth thing to me. If you, if you open up the text, Jesus is often teaching, telling a parable or teaching. If you open up the story, there's, open up the text, there's often a story about Jesus healing. Jesus healing somebody. So teaching or healing. And the third one, no child ever says, is casting out demons or doing an exorcism. So if you summarize the life of Jesus, he's, he's teaching, he's healing, or he's casting out demons. And I asked the little girl, if you were, could get back in a time machine and travel back to the day that Jesus walked and you ran into Jesus, what would you find Jesus doing? And she said, praying, praying. And she's right. I added prayer to my list after she taught me that because Jesus often retreated to the high places to pray. It was a regular habit of Jesus. He resorted to prayer in every hardship. When Jesus was pressed hard, Jesus prayed. When he's hungry for fellowship with the Father or just need to get away to be renewed and refreshed, he prayed. He chose his disciples after being on his knees. When he was tempted, he prayed. When he was criticized, he prayed. If fatigued or wearied in spirit, he prayed. There was no emergency. There was no difficulty. There was no necessity. There was no temptation that did not lead to our Lord and Savior praying. D.L. Moody once said, if you have so much business to attend to in your life, that you don't have time to pray, then you've got more business than God ever intended for you to have. If you've got too many things to take care of and check off your list every day that you can't secure a time and a place for prayer, then you're doing way more than God ever intended for you to do. God's word is demanding and a life of discipleship is demanding. God will not be brushed aside like an unwanted visitor when we barely crack open the door. And try to dismiss him as quickly as possible. We ought always to pray. Here's the third thing I want you to see. Prayer is a persistent practice. Now, this is a funny little story. And there's a, one like it in, in Luke chapter 16. 
There's a judge, Molly read it to us, there's a judge and the judge says, I don't fear God and I don't like people. And there's a lady who keeps coming to me and I don't want to help her. I don't want to hear her case. But because I know she will keep on coming to me, because I know she won't quit, I will help her. I will hear her plea. And Jesus is saying something like this. If an unrighteous judge will hear the persistent pleas of a woman, a judge that doesn't respect God and doesn't respect humanity, if he will yield to the pleas, persistent pleas of a woman, how much more so are God in heaven? Look at verse 7. Not, now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and he will delay long over them? If an unrighteous judge will hear the pleas of a persistent woman, will God not hear our prayers? Turn back to Luke chapter 11. There's a parallel little story here in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it sounds like the Matthean account, the Sermon on the Mount account, when the disciples ask him to pray, Lord, teach us to pray. And there you have a a story, a prayer in verses 2, 3, and 4 that sounds a whole lot like the Lord's Prayer. It's just another version when Jesus teaches them, perhaps even on another occasion to pray. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. You're familiar with the prayer. Thy kingdom come. But then he says in verse 5, prayer is like this. Suppose you've got a friend and he has a visitor show up he didn't know was coming. And you've already shut out your lights and your children are in bed. And he comes and knocks on the door and says, hey, 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 I have an unexpected guest. Would you give me three loaves of bread? I don't have anything to feed him. I need you to help me out. And you say from the inside, hey, we've closed down for the night. My kids, those of you little kids, you know how important it is when the kids are in bed. My kids are already in the bed. Go away. You're going to wake them up. But he keeps knocking. Hey, 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 my friend has come and I have no, nothing to feed him. I need three loaves of bread. Will he not, he says, because of the persistence, will he not get up? And give you the bread. Look at verse 9. And I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. One of the most important, now back to 18. One of the most important aspects of prayer, Luke 18 and Luke 11, is that you keep at it. Like the, the friend who goes to the, the neighbor's house and knocks all night long until he gives him the bread, keep knocking at the throne of God. C.H. Spurgeon has said, prayer pulls the rope below and the bell rings at the throne of God. Some scarcely stir the bell for they pray so languidly. Others only give, give an occasional jerk to the rope, but the one who really communicates with the ear of God is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. Luke 11, Luke 18, be persistent in your prayers to God. The story of the woman who will wear you out, Edward Bennett Williams is like sort of a blue blood attorney who serves on those boards who have big foundations and lots of money to give out and a little lady came to see them. Her name was Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and she was opening up a hospital for those suffering for AIDS. And the attorney said he had no intention at that point in his life of helping anybody with AIDS. And Edward Bennett Williams told her his foundation, the answer was no. And she said, well, let us pray. 
And she prayed in the boardroom of the foundation. And when she finished the prayer, she made her presentation all over again. And she asked for more money than she asked the first time. And the attorney said, we told her no. She said, well, let's pray. And uh, she prayed again, made the presentation all over again, and asked for more money than she'd asked the second time. And finally, Edward Bennett Williams said, just get me the checkbook and get her out of here. The woman was persistent. Our prayers must be persistent. Here's a fourth thing I want you to see and a final thing. Prayer is a practical necessity. Jesus says, verse 1, chapter 18, now he was telling them a parable to show that all times they ought to pray, notice the end, and not lose heart. All times they ought to pray. I want you to see the end here, not lose heart. It's a practical necessity. All around us, we were talking, I was visiting with folks this morning in the congregation. There's pressures on all of our lives like never before. Our world is so broken and so messed up. We don't know up from down or left from right. We began to feel defeat and depression. But it's persistent prayer that keeps us from losing heart, from having to faint. It's good to believe in yourself or have self-confidence, but all of us know that time's going to come in your life when you realize you're not big enough, you don't have enough resources, you must turn to God to get it done. Prayer is a practical necessity. Notice verse 8, it's kind of inquisitive, kind of troublesome. I tell you, he will bring about justice for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on earth? When God returns, will he find enough faithful widows who are praying? There's no doubt about God's ability and his willingness to answer prayers. From the beginning of creation, God has been answering the prayers of his people. The question is not when God shows up, has God been faithful in answering our prayers rightly, whether we liked it or not? The real question is when God shows up, will he find us faithful on earth? The real question is not God's faithfulness. The real question is our faith. Let me ask you some questions this morning as we close. Has your prayer been persistent like the woman who won't be turned away? Has your prayer life this morning been faithful? Has your prayer life brought you closer to God? Are you praying for the members of your family? If I were to ask you right now, those here in the room, those watching by way of television or live stream, if I were to ask you right now to give me a list, could you write down a list of a half dozen people you brought her name, his name before the throne of God this week? If you can't give me six names you've prayed for this week, you're not meeting your obligation to pray. Are you praying for those who do not know Christ as Lord and Savior? There's no more important prayer than that. Are you praying for the strength for you and your family members and for those that you love, those around you? And if someone asks you, would you pray for me? Do you take it with all seriousness? 
Do you write it down? Are you faithful? When you do not say yes, if you're not going to follow through. When you say, I'm going to take your name to the throne of God, are you faithful to go before God with his need or her need? Prayer. The longer I live, the more I'm absolutely certain that it really does make a difference. So next time you pray, Next time you pray, would you say a little prayer for me? Let's pray. Oh God, I know this congregation <coughs> is filled with prayer warriors. The women and the men who see their primary ministry is knocking on your door. They have that rope and they're ringing your bell all the time. We're grateful for her. We're grateful for him. And God, there's some of us who need to be rebuked and reminded this morning by your word that we have an obligation always in every circumstance to not get depressed or disappointed, but rather to pray. Forgive us when we fail to show up with our prayers to your throne. Like a sacrifice, the prayers of God's saints are savory to his throne. And God, I pray if there's one here this morning or one watching by way of television or live stream who needs to profess, their only prayer they need to pray is, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And maybe it's her prayer or his prayer today to make Jesus Lord. That's the prayer we start with. Maybe someone in this room needs to pray that prayer today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.